Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to SaskAg Today. Coming up on today's program, the latest Saskatchewan crop report is out. We'll hear from Mackenzie Ledoon on that. I'm sure you can hear some background noise here. We've got a people mover driving by us here at Ag in Motion near Langham. And, of course, we'll be talking to Rob O'Connor, who is the show director for Ag in Motion. He'll tell us about how the first couple of days went and how they're looking forward to next year's event already. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Sean Prahitka from REMAX Blue Chip Realty. And it's also a presentation at Foam Lake. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. Now with Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. As we near the weekend, temperatures getting a little warmer. Yeah, and they're just going to keep doing that as the uh, week goes on to the weekend. It looks like each day uh, about a degree or so warmer than the one before. That will obviously stop. We'll peak sometime uh, around Monday or Tuesday, but those days uh, do have a pretty good chance of getting to 30 or better. We are above normal through the week, though. We're already uh, going to be there today. A normal high is uh, 24. We'll get up to around 25, uh, 26 in spots today. Spotty showers not looking to be much of a factor at this point. There is a large cluster of showers with a disturbance uh, sitting over Nebraska, another disturbance sitting over Michigan, and then behind it, this fairly sizable area of high pressure. The reason I'm thinking there is still a chance of a shower is because in the upper levels of the atmosphere, a disturbance is going to be cutting south and eastward, and it's going to run right through here during basically the peak of the afternoon. Our humidity is not that low. It seems like it's been just a little bit on the high side of late. Not not high, not oppressively high, but certainly enough to to keep the sh- uh, shower threat when these systems do roll through. I think our chances there today uh, for some locally uh, brief but heavy showers to come through. Uh, and then we drop back off to 12 as we clear back out tonight. The shower threat by the time the sun goes down is likely gone. Through the day tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, and the timing is actually pretty similar to the shower threat tomorrow. A stronger disturbance, this one with a little bit of a surface uh, storm along with it. But even so, even with that extra system, we're still talking uh, even lower chance tomorrow for showers. Just not a lot of uh, energy to work with. These systems have the instability. They just don't have everything timing out at once uh, to give us that uh, good shower threat. So some of us will see a few of these spotty showers. Many of us will miss them. Temperature tomorrow at 26 under the sunshine and back down to 12 tomorrow night. Any showers that do set up through the afternoon will uh, drop off once again through the evening. 
The temperatures, as I mentioned, a little bit warmer each day, 25 today, 26 tomorrow. So let's try for 27 on Saturday, a mostly sunny sky. And absent from Saturday, one of those disturbances. What these are doing is basically rotating around an area of low pressure. One upper-level low has moved across uh, into northern parts of Quebec, and another one following on its track toward Hudson Bay and toward uh, the, the, the same easterly track across the northern parts of Canada. The uh, little disturbances we're dealing with are basically rotating around that big trough. And the next one on Saturday looks to be a little bit too far north to be of a concern for us. So we're in good shape with a mostly sunny sky and a high of 27. There's a warm front that's going to slide in on Sunday. It has almost no moisture with it. So we'll call today mostly sunny. The distinction being mostly sunny versus sunny means there will be probably be a few clouds around, but nothing that will produce showers. Up to 29 on Sunday, and we'll tack on that degree on Monday, up to up to 30 uh, for the high of the mostly sunny sky. And I realize 28 is missing, and I apologize for that. I just ran out of days. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw, Swan River, both at 26 degrees. Dauphin is at 25. Brandon, 24. Show Lake Russell, 22 Roblin is at 23. Regina and Saskatoon both reporting in at 25 degrees. Hudson Bay, 24. Broadview Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 23. Indian Head is at 25. The Yorkton, Melville region has a sunny sky, a north-northeast wind at 5 kilometers an hour. 20, uh, make that 44% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 25 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 21 degrees and dropped to a low of 11 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 24 degrees. The normal low is 12 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 4.58 this morning and it will set at 8.54 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Kelsey Dam at 28 degrees. The cold spot was Thompson at plus 6 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was a tie between Key Lake and Island Falls. They both got up to 27 degrees. The cold spot was South End at plus eight degrees and that's a look at your agriculture weather welcome back to sask ag today some regions of saskatchewan received some much needed moisture this past week unfortunately the areas that needed it most received little or no rain mackenzie ladoon compiles the weekly crop report for the saskatchewan ministry of agriculture the pockets of moisture that moved through the province this week were pretty scattered and the amount of rain that fell was variable across the regions. So the most rain that was received was reported in the Old Wives area and that was with 33 mils of rain. The trace amounts of moisture that were reported across the province were not enough to really account for much of the drought conditions or reprieve much of the drought conditions and some areas received no rain at all. Ladoon says the warm weather and lack of rain just added to the already dry conditions. The East Central region received quite a bit of moisture this spring during seeding and that really helped maintain soil moisture. 
Cropland topsoil moisture is 15% adequate, 57% short, and 28% very short. Hay and pastureland topsoil moisture is 12% adequate, 50% short, and 38% very short. Ladoon says the Yorkton-Melville region has fared much better. The East Central region received quite a bit of moisture this spring during seeding, and that really helped maintain soil moisture reserves over the entire region of the East Central so little precipitation was received this week within the region. However, those soil moisture levels are doing fairly well comparatively. Uh, the most rain that was reported was 10 millimeters, and that was in the Siemens area. Ladoon says most crops in the province are at their normal stages of development, and about a third of crops are ahead of normal. Giving a quick rundown of our crops, so 61% of fall cereals are at normal stages of development, while 35% are ahead. 55% of spring wheat seals are at, cereals are at normal stage of development, while 37% are ahead of normal stage of development. Oil seeds are 58% at normal stages, while 33% are ahead of those normal stages of development for this time of year. Pulses have advanced slightly this week and are now 35% ahead of normal stage of development for this time of year, while 61% are within those normal stages. Haying has progressed quickly this week with only 13% of the first cut of hay still standing, 16% is cut, and 71% is baled or silaged. Producers have been making fantastic progress with haying, and provincially producers are estimating hay yields to be at 1.08 tons per acre. This is really comparable with our five-year average of 1.06 tons per acre, and just behind the 10-year average of 1.17 tons per acre. Producers are also estimating silage yields at 3.13 tons per acre. A very few producers are expecting a second cut of hay this year, and some are starting to express concerns of feed shortages winter. Hay quality ranges from fair to excellent, with the majority of hay rated as good quality. And that is the latest from the Saskatchewan Crop Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. EX94, AgriView. The union representing about 7,400 port workers in B.C. withdrew plans to resume their strike this weekend as the federal government weighs its options to resolve the labor dispute that has threatened supply chains across the country. The International Longshore and Warehouse Union Canada said in a statement last night that it had removed the 72-hour strike notice it issued earlier but gave no reasons or details behind the decision. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau stepped up Ottawa's response to B.C. ports, potentially shutting down again, convening an incident response group meeting and asking ministers and senior officials to pursue all available options. Trudeau also spoke with B.C. Premier David Eby about the labour dispute between the union and the B.C. Maritime Employers Association and agreed on the need to ensure the stability of national supply chains. The union initially relaunched its strike on Tuesday after announcing its caucus had rejected a tentative deal reached last week, but removed picket lines and returned to work after the Canadian Industrial Relations Board ruled the workers needed to give 72-hour notice for the strike to be legal. 
Sporadic rainfall across the prairies has not been enough to stop canola's upward momentum during the weekend and yesterday, while a pair of other factors are fueling the oilseed's rise. David Derwin, an analyst at PI Financial in Winnipeg, says while canola fields in southern Manitoba are looking golden and healthy, looks can be deceiving. He says there are still a lot of dry patches and a lot of concern for what yields are looking like. But having said that, a lot of people are saying everything is looking really good. Derwin says the weather is what seems to be dominating the stories recently. Canola was also benefiting from carryover from United States soybean futures. While canola is king of the Canadian oilseed market, the same can be said of soybeans in the United States. However, the big pulse crop south of the border has made inroads in the western provinces. Manitoba has seen the biggest growth in soybean acres, with well over a million planted annually in recent years, becoming the third largest crop after canola and wheat. Growth has been far less dramatic in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Justine Cornelson, agronomic and regulatory service manager with Brett Young Seeds, says one of the biggest barriers for growth for the crop is the length of the growing season. She says through genetics and selective breeding, soybeans are becoming more favorable for growing conditions here in Canada. Cornelson says there are some shorter season varieties that are on the market now. In international news, Russia has warned that from today, any ship sailing to Ukraine's Black Sea ports would be seen as potentially carrying military cargoes as Kyiv accused Moscow of carrying out hellish overnight strikes that damaged grain export infrastructure. Russia attacked the Odessa region for the second consecutive night after quitting a year-old deal allowing the safe passage of Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea, a decision that prompted the United Nations to warn it risked creating hunger around the world. Ukraine, which wants to try to continue Black Sea grain shipments vital to global food supplies, says it's setting up a temporary shipping route via Romania. Ukraine's Prosecutor General's office said 10 civilians, including a nine-year-old boy, were wounded. Grain terminals were damaged as well as an industrial facility, warehouses, shopping malls, residential and administrative buildings, and cars. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. I'd also like to thank McDougal Auctioneers for providing us with a side-by-side here over the last three days to get us around the Ag in Motion site. So thanks again to McDougal Auctioneers. And once again, yes, we are at Ag in Motion. It's the third and final day. There's still time to come on down and check out what's going on. At 2 o'clock is going to be pretty interesting. Markets Farm Insights with Bruce Burnett. That's being held at the uh, special events tent here. Also at 2 o'clock, there will be some drone demonstrations at the drone demonstration field. At 2.30 this afternoon, it's the Discovery Farm Demonstration Research Tour. That starts at booth number 706. Then at 3.30 this afternoon, there will be Sprouting Success, and that will run for about 90 minutes, actually. And that will be held inside the special events tent. And I'm sure you can hear the people mover driving by our broadcast location here at Ag and Motion in Langham. It's quite busy here, and of course you can come on down and grab something to eat. There's food court and also a few places to pick up a drink as well. So come on down and join us. We're at Ag and Motion near Langham.
Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Please stay tuned. We'll have your complete weather details with Evan Montgomery coming up at the top of the hour. But first, it's time for the livestock market conditions, and that's a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 180.32 today. That's down one full cent. October live cattle closed at 182.75, down 97. August feeder cattle closed at 245.10, down 170. September feeder cattle closed at 248.30, down 102. August lean hogs closed at 100. 62, that's up 270. October lean hogs closed at 84.72, up three full cents. And that is the livestock market conditions. Well, as we mentioned, it's the third and final day of Ag in Motion near Langham. Show director Rob O'Connor held a media conference this morning to discuss the first two days. So yesterday was a really strong day. Uh, we ended up with 13,084 people came through the gates yesterday. There was about 9,800 and change on day one. So that, put us, that puts us slightly ahead of 2019's number by about five or 600. So um, feel really good about how yesterday and, and even the day that we had the rain, um, how it worked out for everybody who exhibits here. So, so how close was that 13,000 to a one day mark? Um, so our 2019 was 12,600, give or take. So we're 470, I think it's 477 ahead of that single best day yeah. that we had in 2019. So you're expecting a lot of the people that were here yesterday probably coming back again today? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because I think that first day with the rain, we had really good attendance i expect there'll still be some people who missed that first day that will be coming today um you know i, I think two days where we had our higher attendance than previous shows single days on the wednesday or the tuesday and the wednesday um i i'm looking forward today but i'm not expecting another high record type of a day but you know it's going to be a great the, the weather and the temperature is going to be perfect for today, so I could be wrong, and this could be a sh one of our strongest or strongest Thursday of the show today yeah. as well. Yeah, you, you haven't had to worry about the extreme heat, then that, that's a good thing. Well, you know, that's pretty nice, um, not having to worry about 36 degrees Celsius weather. Uh, we haven't seen any of the heat-related incidents that we've seen in the past on days like that. So from our TransCare rescue uh, support that we, we bring into the show, um, they, they've been able to relax a little more. What's uh, the dominant message you've heard from exhibitors? You know, I think the feeling here is it's very optimistic. You know, um, even the, when we had rain on the Tuesday of the show, it was very upbeat. And, you know, there's lots of people who expect that that type of day is not good for a trade show, which is probably true except in the agriculture trade show world like our sister show in woodstock ontario they generally get rain on at least one day of the show and those days are always well attended too so even though there's some skeptics about how weather challenges this outdoor event in agriculture um farmers they're used to the elements and i don't think that scares them off so 
I, again, I think just the optimism and the adrenaline that I'm feeling here right now from the farming community and from our exhibitors is, is, is fantastic. And from the exhibitors, is there anything you've heard uh, that's kind of something well, that's dominating the conversation? You know, I don't know if I'd say there's any one thing that is. Again, it's it's just that positive attitude that that I'm hearing, and, and already I'm, I've taken two phone calls about next year's show. You know, asking can they renew their space? Can they get bigger space? Can they? You know, it's just those positive comments about continued growth and, and investment in this show. And then when those kind of comments happen, it's pretty easy for us to turn around and and feel like we can take that next step and continue growing and, and changing. Uh, we don't have to feel like you know, we have to tighten our belts. So the creativity aspect really, uh, it's available to us because of our growth. And uh, do you, what do you see as the, for the future? Do you see more growth next year? Uh, this year was a record in a number of exhibitors. Do you see that increasing next year? Yeah, I, I actually do think right now, even though we're still not going to change the physical size of this event i still think we'll continue to mature and to improve the theming aspect of the event where we're trying to theme different parts of our industry as well as utilizing our space um, continually to optimize it so that we can allow more of those exhibitors into the show one of the new events was the stock dogs i was out there yesterday they had a pretty big crowd watching uh did you get a chance to go out there and take a look yeah i was able to get there at the very beginning of their uh, competition and i was really impressed in fact when they did the demonstrations on tuesday i was yep. quite impressed even in the rain how many people went and watched and i think uh, it's a nice addition to the show and it will help us i think further our livestock goals for the show too my understanding that the physical footprint here is larger than the outdoor farm show at Woodstock, but there's still a, a larger from the number of exhibitors. Can you give the comparison? Do you, other, do you think there's any potential to actually uh, grow bigger than Woodstock? Well, I think from the physical size, you're right, we're probably slightly larger, uh, and, but they are certainly larger in the number of exhibitors by about 100. But I think that has a lot to do with the differences in the regions. Uh, they have a greater population, uh, eight times population in Ontario versus what is in Saskatchewan. And their farming community is quite different. You know, there's lots of farms. You still have to remember their, their export production is higher than Saskatchewan. So they have a lot of production. They have a lot of smaller farmers and the number of farmers are greater. So they're going to obviously attract more people and attract more exhibitors just because they have more manufacturers and more dealers than we do in the Western provinces. And uh, I think you touched on it a little bit there, talking about the livestock. Would you like to see that livestock section expanded as well? I think so. I mean, I think this show really does represent the Prairie Provinces, and I think the livestock component of our show will probably continue to increase, but I think our team's going to look at it and talk about where else can we find that, and how can we um, represent the other livestock industries that aren't here. You know, we have some uh, poultry and we have some dairy, but I don't think it's at the representative numbers of this province yet, so uh, we need to go in and speak to those industries and see, you know, is Ag Emotion a fit for them too? So, so when does your your team sit down and evaluate evaluate how everything has gone, and then and then look ahead to next year? What what's the time frame there? Well, what we'll do now is for the next week, it'll be um, cleaning up, tearing down the show, 
uh, and then really we're preparing for uh, Canada's outdoor farm show in Woodstock. So there'll be a week of, you know, teardown. There'll be another week of probably getting back on track for the show in Woodstock. And then the next week is when we'll probably start talking about, you know, the results of this one. And are there things that we can do better? Are there things that we can add? And, and the surveys will be going out in the next week or so. And we'll by then have some of those results back. And we'll be able to really get a, a good sense of what we need to do for next step of the show. Is the Woodstock show in September? Yeah, it's September the 12th to 14th. And uh, when do you start planning for next year's event? Why are like not just kind of looking back on this year, but start planning for next year in there? So it's about a 13 or 14 month cycle for each show. Um, for this year's, for 2024 show, we already have the budget, uh, or I should say at least the first draft of the budget complete. And we're today going to the, to the exhibitors with an opportunity for them to purchase their new booth spaces for next year as well. And is there anything on the technology side that you'd like to, that isn't here already that you'd like to see uh, here in the future? Well, I think from a global perspective, there's like some amazing electronic and digital stuff that's common. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing some of how, um, for instance, the autonomous and the new swarm technology starts to develop globally. And I think that is very interesting because I think it has the opportunity to change how we do actually farm. And I'm not sure how that's going to change it, but uh, I am certainly interested in to see in the next probably two to four years how that technology really starts to play out and how it's it's coming to the show. And uh, anything on the drone side? I mean, we saw that yesterday afternoon, the demonstrations, this, you know, some of the innovative ways uh, they can be used for agriculture? Yeah, I think with drone technology and the ability for farmers to capture data, uh, it just helps to be more precise on, on their applications, whether it's a, a herbicide or a fertilization plant. And it's hard to actually know how much farther that can go because if you think about my grandfather, when he was farming, he would never have even known that there's something like GPS that would have come, right? So I can't tell you today how much farther the ability for us to collect data is going to go. I just think right now we have a, we're at a place in agriculture that allows us to be so precise. I mean, it gives us advantages in two ways that I see. One is obviously uh, economical because now we're not spending on applying inputs where it's not required or not useful. And the other thing is environmentally, now we know we, we're not accidentally um, adding too much uh, inputs, whether it's a fertilizer or a, a pesticide of some sort um, in an area. That's Ag in Motion show director Rob O'Connor. He spoke this morning. And speak commodities update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. November canola closed at $843 per metric ton, up $1.30. January canola closed at $839.80, up $3.80. September Minneapolis wheat closed at $902 per bushel. That's up four and three quarters of a cent. September Kansas City wheat 
closed at 874 and three quarters, up eight cents. September Chicago wheat closed at 727 per bushel. That's down three quarters of a cent. September corn closed at 537 and a quarter, down eight and a quarter cents. August soybeans closed at 1495 per bushel. That's up three and a half cents. September oats closed at 443 and three quarters. That's up four cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after these messages. And welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Honeybee Manufacturing at Frontier, Saskatchewan, is a prominent exhibitor at Ag in Motion near Langham. Spencer Groth is their marketing manager. Yeah, so we have a draper header um, that we're manufacturing to go on Case IH's new power unit. Um, that's one new thing that's at the show today. The other new piece is our Airflex NXT draper header. So we've kind of got two things going on this week, actually. So tell us uh, about what the, the advantages are for these uh, headers. Well, the big thing, if if you think back eight years ago, Honeybee released our original Airflex header into the marketplace, and it came with a novel concept, and that novel concept was an independently suspended cutter bar, a pneumatically controlled uh, flex system, and an all-mechanical drive. So what we've done with the Airflex NXT is we've more or less built a new header around those original fundamentals because the fundamentals work but we've got new features and kind of a new machine design that go around that original original design so so working with a big company like case ih that exposes your product all over north america and probably around the world it does yeah and we're fairly we're fairly familiar with these OEM agreements. We have worked with Case in the past and we work with John Deere as well. Um, so we've got a really good working relationship there on several levels. And um, I think they just recognize good iron when they see it. Now, what, what does that do for the, the manufacturing uh, capability of your plant in regards to workers and, and things like that? So uh, how many people are working down in the plant right now? It, it's down in the southwest corner of the province. Yeah, we're in southwest Saskatchewan. Right now we have about 200 people on the payroll and we're still hiring. So so is it is it a challenge finding qualified people? Yeah, I think so. We we have a fairly high standard. We won't just hire anyone, and so it's um, it's always a challenge to find the right people, not just people to fill seats. Um, and we've got uh, lots of people working really hard on that right now. So, so what what type of jobs? Welders and what, what else? Yeah, assemblers and welders. Those are the big positions. But you know, product support is a big deal to us too. So we're looking for pickers, packers, people to work on the parts phone, um, and person in most areas of the factory, especially assembly and welding. Yeah, and, and what community is that in again? Frontier, Saskatchewan. Frontier, yeah, okay. yeah. So I thought it was Frontier. Yeah. Are they available now? Yes, the Airflex NXT is available now and we are taking orders for them. Um, so they, they started going on sale June 21st. Just with the way the economy is right now, the order bank is filling up fairly quickly. So most people are having to pre-order for the 2024 harvest season. 
and would you be able to speak on the cost of it? Um, no, it, it's difficult because it just depends so much on the dealer. Uh, we do not direct sell, um, but we're priced competitively, I would say very competitively with the other majors in the marketplace. Spencer Groth is the marketing manager for Honeybee Manufacturing at Frontier, Saskatchewan. He spoke to reporters this morning at Ag in Motion near Langham. It's time now for the Farm Bulletin Board. Farm Bulletin Board. The nomination period for director positions with both the Saskatchewan Barley Development Commission and the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission is now open. Sask Barley will have three director positions open. Sask Wheat will be looking to fill four open director positions pending regulatory approval to increase board size from seven to eight directors. The deadline to receive completed nomination forms for both organizations is September 6th at 12 noon. Should the organizations receive more nominations than there are director positions available, elections will be declared and held during the period of October 19th to November 29th of this year. To be eligible to stand as a candidate, nominees must be registered producers, meaning they have had a Sask Wheat or Sask Barley checkoff deducted since August 1st of 2021 and have not requested or received a refund of checkoff in the last fiscal year for each respective commission. All nominations must include the contact information of the nominee and signatures from at least two registered wheat producers from a Sask Wheat nomination or two registered barley producers for a Sask Barley nomination. Nomination forms and election information can be found on the websites of each commission at saskbarley.com and saskwheat.ca. And that's all the time we have for the Farm Bulletin Board today. And that'll wrap up this today's edition of Saskag Today. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. And we'll head to Evan Montgomery for your agriculture weather. Thanks, Doug. GX94 Precision Weather Forecast covering Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, and Russell Regions. Today, partly to mostly sunny, 40% chance of spotty showers in the afternoon. Wind northwest, 10 to 20, a gusting of over 25, a high 25 degrees. Tonight, 20% chance spotty showers uh, ending early, then partly cloudy. Wind west-northwest, 5 to 10, a low of 12. Friday, partly to mostly sunny, high 26. Saturday, mostly sunny, high 27. Sunday, again, mostly sunny, a high 29 degrees. And by Monday, mostly sunny, high of 30. GX94 Weather Roundup. Right now, the Paw, 25, Swan River, 26, Dauphin, 25, Brandon, 24, Shoal Lake and Russell, 22, Roblin, 23, Regina, 25 degrees, Saskatoon at 24, Hudson Bay, 24, Broadview and Mooseman, 23, Indian Head, 25, Winyard, Wadena, and Kelvingdon, 23. Yorkton, Melville area right now. Sun is out. Wind north-northeast, 5 kilometers an hour. Relative humidity, 44%, and it's currently 25 degrees. Now it's time for the news and sports headlines.